This is The Rational Perspective. I'm Alec Hogg. In this episode, we focus on two men who are demanding that global law firm Hogan Lovells be brought to account for the role that it played in state capture in South Africa. On December the 18th last year, when 4,700 delegates from South Africa's ruling African National Congress voted for a progressive and economic-savvy president, they triggered the unravelling of what had become a criminal state. Among the leaders of this flotilla of activists that achieved this unlikely victory are South African-raised British politician Lord Peter Hayne and the Irish-raised forensic investigator and South African citizen Paul O'Sullivan. They got together in London this week to share notes on their latest crusade, their concerted attack on global law firm Hogan Lovells. They say that just like accountants KPMG, management consultants McKinsey and software multinational SAP, the law firm is deeply implicated in the network of institutionalized corruption, popularly referred to in South Africa as state capture. Since the new president Cyril Ramaphosa's appointment in January, the pressure has been cranked up on those implicated. Hogan Lovells were the lawyers of choice for those engaged in state capture. And in our latest email to them, I think uh, the day before yesterday, in fact, I sent them another email today, we've made it clear that if it wasn't for them, some of the people involved in state capture in South Africa would have already been behind bars. But the architects of state capture decided that they had to capture the criminal justice system. And it, and, and that's quite a logical step to take because... You can't succeed in state capture if you have a functioning criminal justice system because the criminal justice system would have led to these people being arrested a long time ago. So they decided, and we can even pinpoint, there's a, a, um, a report on our website called Joining the Dots, and we've set the date at somewhere in, in 2014, probably at the time that Sean Abrahams was appointed we believe that the appointment of Sean Abrahams was a intentional, unlawful act as the cataclyst, if you like, to taking over the criminal justice system. That's Paul O'Sullivan. The report he refers to is one of many on the Forensics for Justice website. Sean Abrahams is the head of the country's National Prosecuting Authority. He's disdainfully referred to in South Africa as Sean the Sheep because of a slavish devotion, apparently so, to the ousted former president, Jacob Zuma. They followed that up with removing Ria Piecha, uh, appointing an acting chief of police, which was um, Paklani. Then they suspended, um, what's his name, uh, Anwar Dramat, and they appointed, unlawfully, they unlawfully suspended him and unlawfully appointed um, Nklameza. They unlawfully suspended and unlawfully appointed others in the Gauteng Hawks, they took action in the KZN Hawks, so they really did capture the criminal justice system. And as a result today, we're saying that the damage done by Hogan Lovells in propping up that unlawful conduct of these people has resulted in a situation where to this very day, 
Not a single person has been held responsible for state capture, which has cost the country somewhere in the region of 500 billion rand. The number that O'Sullivan puts on the cost to the country of the state capture project is at the top of the range of estimates. If he's right, that's the equivalent of 40 billion US dollars or over 10% of South Africa's GDP. But back to Hogan Levels. What exactly was its role in the saga? They became the lawyers of choice. And Hogan Levels are prepared or were prepared, in fact, I believe they still are that way inclined, were prepared to do pretty much whatever it took to help capture the criminal justice system. So they were behind the conduct, the unlawful conduct aimed at Johan Boysen, General Boysen, uh, General Sabir, General Dramat, um, Robert McBride, um, and others. And they propped up Inclemeza's conduct. So despite High Court action setting aside Inclemeza's appointment, Hogan Lovells, using taxpayer funds, and they received millions and millions of it, were able to continue and keep these people in office unlawfully right to the bitter end. And it was only when the Constitutional Court finally found that Inclemeza should go that he, he was actually gone. Now, he shouldn't have been appointed in the first place. And we've been working very closely with Lord Hayne because he follows the same sentiments. In fact, you know, there's more stuff coming out as we speak. We've started interviewing other people and we're starting to obtain evidence. And we've now asked for the uh, Lord Hayne to approach the Solicitor's Regulation Authority, which he's done, for the purpose of ensuring that they don't make any findings yet because the investigation has opened up new channels and we're pursuing those channels. I made it clear in my email to Hogan Lovells that I intend to make sure they close doors in South Africa, if not the whole of Africa. I've been happy to pursue this uh, because from the time I was provided evidence which I deployed in the House of Lords in January on Hogan Lovells, what has astonished me is their brazen denial Unlike, albeit belatedly, in those cases, KPMG and uh, uh, and McKinsey and Saps, uh, where their complicity in state corruption and connivance in the whole capture of the state was where they apologised for that after it had been exposed by brave investigative journalists and organisations like uh, Forensics for Justice and Amar Bungani and, and so on and uh, Corruption Watch in South Africa, all doing a fantastic job. They, at least those global companies, as I say, KPMG, McKinsey, SAP, and, uh, of course, before them, Bell Pottinger, which went bankrupt, had admitted they were wrong. They sacked people responsible at the South African level, and they've tried to make a fresh start. Now, Hogan Lovells hasn't even admitted that it's done anything wrong, even though the the way they whitewashed corruption within the South African Revenue Service, uh, led by Tom Moyani and his uh, deputy Makwakwa, Jonas Makwakwa, uh, both of whom have now gone, by the way, and Hogan Lovells is still standing in denial. And they, 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 it was a shameless piece of, of whitewashing of, of that theft within the South African Revenue Services of all state agencies. Uh, that that you know, surely takes the biscuit. And I think they've been behaving rather as a lawyer defends a brief, regardless of the morality, regardless of the principles at stake, regardless of the justice involved, just doggedly defending their, their brief, 
rather than taking a step back and, and realizing what reputational damage this is doing to them, and given their failure to accept uh, a, a complicity and to, to apologize like the others have done, I think they've got to be pursued to the end. And I've had an assurance uh, only today from the Solicitor's Regulation Authority, Regulatory Authority here in London, that they are going to wait to see what further evidence comes from Forensics for Justice. And they are have established within their rules that uh, it's proper for them to take up my uh, complaints to, and uh, to, to, to investigate the, the evidence involved. So I think this is going to put Hogan Lovells under even more under the microscope. And my advice to them all along, from the moment they contacted me in, in January and all wanted to come and see me, uh, I said, you apologize first, then I'll see you, like I've done with HSBC, like KPMG, like McKinsey, uh, and so forth. But um, Hogan Lovells won't do that. And I think they're going to pay a heavy price. And I don't know why they're headquarters in London and New York don't take this uh, matter in hand and realize the global reputational damage that it's going to do them. And I think there's a lesson here for all such global companies, multinationals, uh, that you may be able to get away with things in South Africa despite being exposed in the local media and in the political world there and being the subject of criticism by opposition politicians and so on. But actually, in today's transparent world, you cannot escape scrutiny wherever you operate. And I would forecast that Hogan levels, if they haven't already been damaged in South Africa in terms of the, the, the briefs they receive and the work that they get, will be damaged in the future. And I suspect it will be throughout Africa as well, because that's exactly the pattern that has uh, dogged the other companies, the other global companies involved. And they just should learn a lesson here and and uh, make a clean breast of it uh, and apologize to everybody concerned and move on. Instead of which, they're in a hole of their own making and they just keep digging. That's a good old adage, isn't it? But why is the firm still digging? O'Sullivan reckons it's a simple case of the multinational believing the wrong people person they've got managing their damage control is the person that was involved in the damage in the first instance. And I'm talking about Lavery Medici. Now, if you allow Lavery Medici to continue managing the process of handling all the damage and the fallout from this, it's almost akin. In fact, I said it in my email to them today. It's akin to allowing the mice to guard the cheese. And if they continue allowing the mice to guard the cheese, when the time comes and the cupboard is opened, they'll find that the cheese, like Hogan Lovells, will, will have disappeared. And I think time is running out for them because I'm meeting later today the chairman of the uh, DA in London or the DA in the UK, as it's called. I'm not quite sure what they call it. And I'm going to be asking for some toy toying outside Hogan Lovells' offices in much the same way as we did to Bell Pottinger. And curiously, they're less than 200 metres apart, so I think it's, they won't have far to go. <laughs> yeah, I remember that uh, very interesting afternoon in uh, Hoburn. Uh, didn't, Bell Pottinger didn't last very long. Hogan Lovells, though, is a different kettle of fish. It's a big group. It's also a lawyer. Have they not threatened you? Have they not used the law? to try and shut both of you up? No, not against me. Um, there's been no suggestion of that. Well, like, you know, and and, I, uh, yeah. and I, I, don't, I don't expect that. 
because um, the one thing lawyers always advise on is if you want to consider going to court or taking legal action, you've got to be pretty sure of your grounds, because otherwise it could backfire on you. Mm. So I suspect that's the reason why. In fact, they make it's a very good point you make, Alec, because they made a very, in my opinion, a hollow threat against Lord Hayne. They made a statement that if Lord Hayne would come out and say what he said with parliamentary privilege in the House of Lords, they would take action against him, which is, in my opinion, absurd. <laughs> I then went and said a lot more than Lord Hayne said, and they've not taken any action against me. But if you turn the clocks back a number of years, I, I think it was Oscar Wilde um, that was caught out when he sued for defamation. I think he sued the Times of London for defamation and eventually he went to prison. And Oscar Wilde's comment afterwards was never, never litigate against people who buy ink by the bucket or by, by the barrel. And I think if Hogan Lovells want to litigate against Forensics for Justice or against Paul O'Sullivan or Sarah Jane Trent, I say to them, bring it on. I'd welcome the opportunity because what we would then do through a discovery process is we'll unearth everything that they've been up to. And it would definitely be the end of Hogan Lovells in Africa. Mm. And by the way, I have repeated um, those allegations, uh, that the evidence that I gave in the House of Lords under parliamentary privilege. I've repeated it in broadcast interviews within South Africa on ENCA, on SABC, in um, uh, on on various radio radio programs, as well as uh, you know, re this recording with you, Alec. Mm. Well, let's just uh, put it into a nutshell. What is it that the public needs to know that Hogan Levels have done? Clearly, they've been representing um, people who were uh, implicated and and were driving the whole cape, uh, state capture process, but. But what, if you were to, to put it into a nutshell, what exactly have they done wrong? Well, for me, what they did in SARS is they whitewashed a cover-up of theft from within SARS by its top duo, um, Makwakwa in particular, the deputy. They, they knew fully well what was going on, and they whitewashed it. Uh, and I'm afraid there's a trail here of audit companies and... Uh, in this case, lawyers and consultants and others who are paid hefty fees, and we still haven't got from Hogan Lovells what they were paid for to do this, but they just basically covered up what was a theft within the South African Revenue Service. And that, that, that you know, Peter's talking there about SARS, of course. We're saying over and above what they did at SARS, they assisted others who were criminals. We're saying they acted for criminals. They acted for criminals and they were paid with public funds, millions and millions of rand. We have some of the figures, and I think the figures, the costs involved that of monies that were paid out in respect of Robert McBride, Anwar Dramat, Shadrach Sabir, and uh, Johan Boysen, those figures exceed 17 million rand. Now, how on earth do criminals in the criminal justice system, and I'm talking about and I, in that tag, I'm including the minister, the then minister of police, uh, Nkleko. And Nkleko was joined at the hip with Paklani and with um, uh, Nklemeza. And their only intention was to sabotage and, and put down 
any effective criminal justice system that would expose and hold people accountable for state capture. And they went so far as to stop everybody in what they were doing. And the only way they could stop them was to suspend them and fire them. And who handled all that legal work for them? Hogan Lobbles. And they went a step further. They drew up charge sheets and they, they convened the disciplinary inquiries, which I can best describe as kangaroo courts, where they found these people guilty, not beyond reasonable doubt, but on a balance of probabilities, and they dismissed them. They cleaned up the criminal justice system and turned it into a criminal system that assisted the people that did state capture. And I'm adamant that they mustn't only just pay back all the money, um, they, they must be held accountable. They must be held accountable for what they've done. So it's a little bit like uh, what KPMG did with the SARS report, a bit like uh, what McKinsey did by aiding and abetting the plunder at Transnet and uh, Eskom. They were implicated, they were deeply involved in your opinion, and they were, as you say, the go-to legal firm, people who would do pretty much anything that the criminals wanted them to. Yes. In fact, I'm saying... They were the architects of the neutralization of the criminal justice system. Without Hogan Lobbles, and I dare say there would have been some other uh, cowboy law firm around that would have stepped up to the mark because there's a number of them out there. But without Hogan Lobbles, they could not have pulled off what they did in, in neutralizing um, the, the criminal justice system. And that's why. So we should actually thank Hogan Lovells for the fact that there's all these criminals running around. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind, Alec, that post-democracy, the uh, state capture crime syndicate, the criminal enterprise that drove state capture is the largest crime syndicate South Africa has ever seen. And it, it, it's, it's, its tentacles stretched from the presidency right down into all these state-owned companies. And they had a plan, which they, they started working on as far back as 2009, and they realized by 2014 that if they didn't stop what they were doing, they were going to get caught, and then they decided to neutralize the criminal justice system. Hmm. Can, I, can I just add, uh, finally, Alec, that uh, I don't think anybody connected with the state, any agency, any government department from national uh, uh, and governmental level down to provincial and municipal and city level should have anything to do with Hogan Levels until they have owned up and apologized uh, and paid the fee back, at least in the case of SARS. I don't think they should get any public sector contracts. And I think any private firm in South Africa, any corporate should be very wary of uh, of uh, going to them when they talk for business. There are plenty of other legal firms in South Africa of a reputable kind. Yeah, in fact, we're going to go a step further. We're going to start a boycotting process soon. Um, and I think we're quite good at what we do, and we're going to start a boycotting process. And we're going to start a regular process to expose Hogan Lovells, and we're going to start calling their clients and telling them, listen, why are you using a law firm that's assisted in bringing this country to its knees. And we're going to be calling their clients and asking them to stop using Hogan Lovells. And if they want to take legal action against us, let them do it. I've put them on terms that I intend to shut them down. And the longer they leave it before coming clean, the less chance they have of surviving. But hang on a moment. When he was elected four months ago, South Africa's new president promised that one of his priorities would be attacking corruption. Yet there hasn't been a single arrest. So if the evidence is so compelling, why so? 
the hierarchy of the National Prosecuting Authority, the police and the hawks are still captured. So you have this situation, for example, where uh, a court application is brought. Now, we carried out an investigation in 2015 into the unlawful conduct of a chap by the name of Lucky Montana. And I produced a criminal docket which went into three lever arch files. With prima facie evidence, they could have started the prosecution with what we produced. And to this day, he hasn't even been telephoned to ask for his warning statement. And he's taken the upper hand by going to Parliament, lying through his teeth to Parliament, and literally, quite literally, getting away with what's happened. Now, the debt to Praza, as a result of that one criminal docket, was four billion rand. Another criminal docket was opened by Praza itself, which related to the Swifambo Rail uh, leasing contracts, and that amounts to seven billion rand. So Lucky Montana has fleeced uh, Praza, which is a passenger rail agency of South Africa, he's fleeced them of 11 billion rand, and that happened years ago. Not a single arrest has taken place. And the reason for that is because the criminal justice system has been decapitated. Now you have this situation, this horrendous situation, where the High Court has to turn around and instruct the Hawks to carry out an investigation. It's, in my opinion, it's unthinkable. 11 billion rand goes missing, and people have to go to the High Court. Praza themselves brought a High Court application to force the Hawks to carry out an investigation. They don't need to carry out an investigation. They have all the files, and they've hidden it away somewhere, probably in Sean Abraham's office. And there's a number of cases like that. The, that case is only one. And when all these cases are brought together, we're of the opinion, and we said it in February, I think it was February the 15th, or February the 13th at the uh, Witts Business School where, where Lord Hain uh, uh, convened a, a discussion panel. And we said it then that if all the people that were involved in state capture are charged in the next year, we'll need a special court because otherwise it's going to take 100 years to prosecute them all. You know, I thought when President Ramaphosa was installed that it would take it would take a lot longer than all of us wanted for him to sort things out. Uh, he's up against a years and years and years of institutionalized corruption and cronyism. And it'll take time for that, for that to be sorted out. And meanwhile, of course, the forces of resistance are continuing to, to marshal against him. Yes. And, and, and to add more to that, I mean, for example, we have a situation where the constitutional court, we're waiting for their judgment. Now, you know, you can't, on the, pros the on national the, on, prosecuting yes, authority. on the national prosecuting authority on Sean Abrahams. We're waiting for that judgment to be handed down. So in theory, the man could be gone tomorrow, but in practice, every day that goes by is a day too long because the criminal justice system is effectively neutralised while Sean Abrahams and all his accomplices are running the National Prosecuting Authority. There's good and decent. Ninety-nine percent of the National Prosecuting Authority are good, decent, hardworking. Uh, prosecutors, and we need them to take back control and start running it the way it's supposed to be run. Instead of going after people like Robert McBride and Johan Boyson and Shadrach Sevier and myself and Sarah Jane Trent and prosecuting us on trumped up charges to silence us, they need to go after the real hoods out there and they need to do it soon. Now, we've identified, in fact, last week we've opened another docket, which we'll be putting up on our website probably this week, which implicates the deputy president himself. Now, I made the point several weeks ago, I think, Alec, in a discussion with you, 
is that Cyril Ramaphosa's hands are tied behind his back. He's surrounded by hyenas. And those hyenas, they need to be removed. And we are going to start a process now to identify them and remove them. And the first person that we're starting with is David Mabuza, the deputy president. And we're going to be calling for his removal. You both sound quite frustrated by this uh, process, that it is taking time or taking longer than you anticipate. What would be the one log that, that breaks the dam or opens the dam, opens the floodgate? The log jam, the, the, the main log at the beginning of it all, and, and the one that if it's freed, the, the things start flowing, is Sean Abrahams. Sean Abrahams is the log jam. And if he's removed and his accomplices will then be, be dealt with, because the worst thing that can happen is one of his accomplices is appointed as an acting national director. And if that happens, we haven't moved on at all. So my hope is that the const- we can't prejudge what the, or pre-guess uh, what the Constitutional Court will say, but I will hope that the Constitutional Court will find that Abrahams was unlawfully appointed in the first place. If, on the other hand, they don't, then Cyril Ramaphosa is going to have to suspend him pending an inquiry to consider his fitness to hold office. But until we free up the National Prosecuting Authority, we're wasting our time working on the police because if, the, if we get the police sorted out, the dockets just sit around Sean Abraham's office, which is, I understand he's taken the office next door and cleared it out because it's full of dockets, which should in fact be in court with people getting prosecuted. And Hogan levels. If they were to admit, as you said, Peter, the, your, your uh, proposal to them, come clean and maybe join the other side, would that not also be quite a big breakthrough? Well, I think it would restore some sense, uh, some semblance of uh, credibility to their operation in South Africa, which is now torn to shreds in credibility. It doesn't have any credibility at all. Um, so I think that would be a, a first start. Uh, and... I, my message to all of these global corporates, and it includes Hogan Lovells now, is join the side of the good guys and girls. Join, instead of um, earning fat fees from state-sponsored criminals, uh, join join the forces for goodness and for the forces for justice, uh, and that's what they should do. And I believe there's sufficient evidence there to prove that Hogan Lovells were part of the problem and what they need to do is become part of the solution. If they're not prepared to be, be able to do that, we have no doubt that we will, over a period of time, succeed in shutting them down. And meanwhile, don't ask the President Ramaphosa to do the impossible overnight. Uh, just everybody join, including these corporates that have been complicit in state capture and corruption and cronyism to actually use their forensic skills, whether they're legal in the case of Hogan, Hogan Lovells or auditing in the case of KPMG or um, other forensic skills in the case of, of McKinsey and so on, offer those to, 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 to the, 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 the good people uh, under uh, Cyril Ramaphosa and help them clean up the state and get South Africa back on its feet. Noble intention indeed, but one that's only possible if those still denying the obvious switch from dogged defense to joining the attack. Peter Hain and Paul O'Sullivan believe that is the least that they owe South Africa, Hogan levels included.
has been The Rational Perspective. Until the next time, cheerio.